Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a podcast from The Bugle. It's dark outside and you are the star of a streaming dark fantasy film. You run down a stone hall but the hall just keeps getting longer and longer. Your ears ring with the terrible low rumble of Netflix sound editing that means all dialogue is reduced to a sad underwater mumble. Frantically, you put the subtitles on because the sound quality is so bad you could be screaming and not even know it. In a flash, the enemy is upon you. You try to cry out but the words that appear on the screen are just square brackets, the gargle. Close square brackets. <laughs> this is The Goggle, the sonic glossy magazine to the Bugle's audio newspaper for Visual World. I am your host, Alice Fraser, and your guest editors for this week's edition of the magazine are Tom Needham and Nabil Abdul-Rashid. How are you? Welcome. Hello. Hey. I feel like I was more enthusiastic than either of you. I'm so... No, I was just terrified. You were describing what happened to me yesterday in that intro, so, um, <laughs> so it was uncanny. I was like, oh, well, were you there? And I was like, oh, no, that was just a, another nightmare. I'm from South London. On the inside, I'm ecstatic. This is just how much it bubbles over on the outside. <laughs> Before we take hands uh, and leap together into the ice-cold water that is this week's top stories, let's have a look at the front page of the magazine. Noted attention lover and richest proof in the world that you can't buy happiness, Elon Musk has demanded that Twitter's engineers fix his broken levels of audience engagement. So he's now posing with his tweet about the Super Bowl, uh, which unfortunately got fewer likes than a similar tweet by Joe Biden. Um, Are you, either of you, have you survived Twitter? Just about, um, just about. It's weird, my tweets either get ignored or I get like loads of really angry far right guys threatening to beat me up. Um, <laughs> th- this one guy said he was going to come to my gig, then blocked me. I think he looked at my display pic and decided maybe not. But um, yeah, that, that's pretty much how Twitter goes for me. I'm either being ignored or yelled at by angry people, a lot like my childhood. Oh. <laughs> that's the saddest joke I've heard today, Nabil. <laughs> 
I'm gonna keep them coming. <laughs> Can I start by just apologising to Nabil because a lot of those tweets I sent, I, I was I was drunk at the time. So if we, you know, thank you for for joining me. That would explain the spelling on all those tweets. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of our country. A R E tree. Yeah. That <laughs> and breaking news: Mr. Wilkes of Booth Road, Willoughby, has fallen foul of the local librarians' league after being found in the children's book section with a magnifying glass, trying to discover if Mrs. Titmouse really was a mouse with tits. And the satirical cartoon this week is the makers of the Doomsday Clock, which measures how close humanity creeps towards apocalypse, uh, putting in an application for us to go into penalty time. That's satire about how miserable everything is. (laughs) I used to get really scared about the Doomsday Clock, and then I realised that it's not actually moving, like it's frozen there. So, and also, it's only going to go to midnight when we're all dead, so... Oh, and they can go backwards. They're, they're allowed to go, go backwards. backwards. So there's... Yeah. The, uh, what's the point of it? It's just... <laughs> it's just a real-time Nostradamus, which ceases to be impressive, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, regular clocks go backwards, too. I think... I think, uh, <laughs> I think true, the solstice and, and, and the time of year scales back doomsday, obviously. <laughs> yeah. It's just not as it, impressive. It's like it's like it's like predicting nine eleven on nine eleven. <laughs> I mean, what if what if it works with the relativity of time and as things change, it changes. So like a whole bunch of people become vegan, the clock goes back a bit. Mm-hmm. But then like Celine Dion decides to release another album, it moves forward. You know, like that's what. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of things moving in directions that they ought not to move, today's top story is that the Earth's core may have stopped spinning or may even now be spinning backwards, uh, according to a new study that makes me want to cry. Uh, Tom Neenan, you've been to the Earth's core. Can you unpack this story for us? Yeah, certainly. Um, that's why I've got a magma hat. Does that work? <laughs> uh, I, this is news from the, uh, the Peking University of China. It doesn't work, but it makes me laugh. So <laughs> It's red, but only because it's molten. That's the, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with that. Yeah, so this, this apparently is that they've said that um, roughly Peking University of China said that the Earth's core stopped rotating at around 2009, potentially, is when it actually completely stopped. And I don't want to put all the blame squarely on the release of um, Fireflies by Owl City, but um, that, you know, correlation is not causation, and that could have something to do with it. Um, should we be really scared about this? Like, is this the kind of thing where, like, Michael Bay has to make a film where he sends, like, the Harlem Globetrotters, like, trains them all to be miners so they can go down into the arse core and get it, get it spinning? Uh, <laughs> nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'd whistle the theme uh, tune, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the beer was just uh, miming exactly that, which is yeah. Do we need to like put it on our fingers and just get it, get it spinning? Because otherwise, yeah, are, are we all in serious trouble? What does this mean? And if it doesn't mean anything, why do we care? That is my question. Does anyone have the answer? Well, I, I mean, I just saw that story and I thought, why, why, why were you do? Why were you digging there? Like. What what were you looking for? What do you know about the we don't know? That's like coming home and your cousin's like, hey, you know, some of your underwear has holes in it. I'm like, yeah, well, they're the most comfortable pairs, but why were you going through my my? Un- <laughs> <laughs> why were they digging through the earth's core? How do we know? Maybe maybe it's just resting. Like we, you know, if you how do they know it hasn't moved since 2009? If they haven't been checking since 2009, and if so, what are they looking for? 
Like, I'm not the most sciencey guy, but you see in the sci-fi movies, this is where things start to go wrong because <laughs> they end up finding something they shouldn't have found. I say, <laughs> if the planet has indigestion, just drop some gaviscon in there and leave it alone. <laughs> According to this model that they're proposing, it kind of spins one mm. way and then spins the other, like when you wind up a, a, a globe that's hanging from the ceiling and it goes one way for a while and then it kind of right. goes a little bit... I, I don't think that's how it works at all. And, in fact, I know that that's not how it works because that metaphor was a terrible one. But basically it goes... It, I mean, that's... It's not covered in ants. It, the, it is... Apparently it turns <laughs> turns back and then it goes. I feel like you've we've put this on you now and you're trying to explain it in a way that no one else no one else has tried to so I'm sorry about well, that. Well essentially it's that it the earth's core does change direction. The question is whether it changes right. once every 6 years or once every 70 years and the fact that we don't know uh, but we have a lot of data is always mm. upsetting to me because it makes me feel like actually sometimes the more you know, the more confusing it is. Like for all I know, the, the Earth's core is just grooving and moving in its own like mood-based, <laughs> just a, a, attached yeah. to some 14-year-old's mood ring on the surface. It decides to spin on its own recognizance. <laughs> well, does it like go in circles? Like is it the kind of thing where the last time that the Earth's core stopped moving, um, I don't know, it... Uh, World War Two happened, or something like. Is it? Are there, is there any kind of mystical element to it that we should be aware of? Are we? Is it going to be? Um, I don't know. Are we going to see people rising from the dead? I reckon it's something like everyone just has a really bad period, but no one talks about it, so you wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Go with the flow. Your ad section now, because you can't be what you can't buy. This week's episode of the podcast is brought to you by IKEA, releasing its range of atomic furniture for the second nuclear age, featuring new office desk, the Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer of- office furniture. Now I am become desk. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank you. And today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by forgiveness. Forgiveness, it's good for you. Good for them, but never as fun as revenge. Go on, dig that grave for two people. What could go wrong? (laughs) Forgiveness is a dish best served tepid. (laughs) That's what I always say. (laughs) And today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mrs. Titmouse Bathing Witness. If you want to watch Mrs. Titmouse bathe, uh, all you need to do is bring your ogling goggles and half a glass of water to fill the bath. She's a small mouse with big tits. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And now it's time for your employment news. And this is the news that having, uh, quote-unquote, won the war, Taliban bureaucrats are not enjoying office life. Uh, Nabil, you've worked in an office once before. Can you unpack this story for us? Yes, I worked in an office for the Taliban. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm saying is I understand their frustration, you know, because... Having worked in the office for a while, I almost went on a jihad. Uh, but that's because the <laughs> HR department were dicks. Um, that aside, you know, these guys are upset. You know, they miss the old days. I just think, can you imagine the tension working with former Taliban in the office? Right? Like, can you imagine Taliban working online? Now that is a keyboard warrior. That is the <laughs> definition. Can you imagine having to fire one of them? <laughs> right? Like, uh, you know, a hider... Uh, you're not, uh, what, what are you? You're not being very productive. You said, I didn't work in production. I worked in destruction. <laughs> yes, well, that's, <laughs> you're fired. Okay, okay, I'm fired, am I? All right, then. I'll be sending you my letter of resignation. Make sure you open it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> A lot of these bureaucrats used to spend their time riding around the countryside on horses, bullying people. And now, if they want to bully people, they have to apply to HR for a permission. It's not <laughs> fair. Uh Tom? Yeah. Are you saying that, um, that the Taliban used to work in the open air and now they have they have to work in offices with small windows? So you're saying that the problem with the Taliban is they now have mm, uh, quite narrow views. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love it. They've... Um, they wanted a job and now they found a job and heaven knows they're miserable now. They are The Taliban have gone full Morrissey and I, for, I for one, I'm here for it. I think it's wonderful. The... Um, Basically, uh, I think this is what happens when you get a uh, Taliban who are mainly staffed by um, millennials. They just don't want to work. They just don't want to sit in the office. I find that car bomb triggering, etc., etc. I have to say, I prefer the quiet quitting trend in the Taliban than the old yes. uh, loud quitting that they used to do. <laughs> the loudest quit it's possible to do. The, the next stop is the emo Taliban, and I don't think we're ready for that. I, I <laughs> well, they only harm themselves. That's the, uh, that's the real shame. This is my last resort. Boom. No, uh... It's terrible. It's terrible. I, I worry that this is uh, too political as, as a story. Um, Ped, can you ring the politics bell? Um, but also, I feel like uh, part of the reason that the gargle avoids politics is because it's very divisive. Uh, mm. And I have to say, if you're a pro-Taliban listener, <laughs> um, you can apply to HR for a permission to go f*** yourself. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, there will be listeners. There are people who work in an office. They're, they're bound to be listening to podcasts right now. So, uh, so hello <laughs> and stop, I guess. <laughs> you know, they took over the country, right? Remember... When they first took over the country, and people were like, oh my God, how did the Afghan army not stop them? They were trained by America. And I'm like, yeah, of course, that's why they couldn't stop them. The Americans taught them to fight the American way, which is with drones. 
But when they left, they took the drones with them and just left them with the control pads. You ever play PlayStation <laughs> with your younger brother? You just give him the dead control pad. Which one am I? The one being shot, mate. So that's how they took over. <laughs> and now they stuck playing games on PC in the office. You saying solitaire doesn't quite cut it? Because I have to agree. <laughs> Now it's time for your reviews. As you know, each week we ask our guest editors to bring in something to review out of five stars. Uh, Nabil, what have you brought in for us this week? My daughter's fictitious tea. (laughs) It's zero calories. It tastes like whatever she says it does. And it keeps her quiet when you drink it. Uh, What what could be better? Uh, It's not very filling. It's not. Not much energy. But hey, if you're lactose intolerant, it's brilliant for that too. So I would give it a three out of five review because she stirs it with plastic corn. And like, you know, I don't care how much of an imagination you have when you watch someone stir a cup of tea with plastic corn. It's kind of disturbing. She wants to be a chef or a magician. Again, very disturbing that I'm drinking magic drinks. So yeah, I give it a three out of five. Hope she can't hear me because I'll be in trouble. I mean, either way, chef or magician, nothing up my sleeves is a good start. (laughs) (laughs) Tom, what have you brought in for us? I don't know if we can have some kind of uh, whimsical bed under this because, uh, as in um, sound, not... uh, not, Any bed uh, I'm in is whimsical, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Here we go. This is a review that looks at how they have poems in all adverts now, sickly ditties written in verse, to ease the icky capitalist curse. A young woman, kind, a smiling face, often from a regional place, talking lyrically of the amount she's saving in her gold account. They're annoying, cloying, drive me berserk, but I'm talking about them so you know they work. It takes their bank, and makes it ours in a twee way that's evil. No stars. That was that was a satire on modern advertising, and you're more than welcome. To biotech news now. This is uh, the news that Americans are preparing to test their embryos uh, for their future test results. Essentially, always fun to reduce children to science. That's essentially your mum squeezing an avocado at a supermarket and going, nope, not ripe enough for Harvard. Uh, Nabil, you're contemplating sending your child to university. Can you unpack this story for us a bit? I mean, I read that and I thought, wow. And I thought Nigerian parents were pushy when it came to education. Like, can you imagine how, can you imagine having the genes to go to Harvard and still failing your exams? And then your parents just showing you a piece of paper as you as an embryo saying, you see? This is what we were predicting. But look at you. <laughs> you can't even measure up to yourself. <laughs> the good thing, Nigerian, like, as a Nigerian, the good thing as a Nigerian dad reading this is that it's the embryo, not the sperm. So if anything goes wrong, you can always blame the mom. So I think that's the... <laughs> <laughs> Misogyny. No, <laughs> Surely it's only a matter of time. I mean, this is all nature versus nurture stuff. I mean, all the, the the real question of whether a child gets into an Ivy League college is about how much self-loathing you manage to imbue them with in their childhood that they feel that they need the external validation of some overpriced college. Tom? If you want to look at an embryo and see if it will get into a good college, then you just need to know... 
did the parents of the embryo go to that college? Because that's usually a good sign. That <laughs> <laughs> I think it has a lot more to do with your bank account balance than uh, your eggs. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> call me crazy, you know. And if you're gonna do that, you should have a bunch. So you could ha- you could have like a Premiership League football <laughs> test, yeah. Then an MBA test, heavyweight boxing test, and like maybe even a TikTok test, you know. Uh, so yeah, twat test. Oh wait, and, oh. <laughs> <laughs> is he gonna be a famous influencer? <laughs> I mean, I do think genetics have something to do uh, with academic success. And I know, th- I, I, th- I think this purely on the anecdote of a family friend who is the headmaster of a school, uh, quite a fancy school in Austria. And he says um, that these, these children come through, the first generation of children uh, do really well, then the father mm. gets divorced, um, hooks up with a very attractive but not necessarily quite as intelligent lady and the mm-hmm. second round of kids come through and the dad's like, why are they not doing as well as the, <laughs> as the ones from my ex-wife who I met at university? Why uh, why are they not doing as well? So that's my Chilling. that's my theory. They're very beautiful, those that second batch, but mm. <laughs> they're not hitting their high grades. <laughs> if you can afford to have your embryo tested to see if it will go to a good university, it's going to do fine. You've got Chances clearly are. got cash. That child will be fine. Unless you got the test on Woucher. Well, I mean, that child will not be fine in any way. That child will go <laughs> It's to... not psychologically. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> and now it's time for our e-mobility news. This is the news that Volkswagen has sent 22,000 employees uh, to escape rooms for the best kind of fun corporate fun when i initially read this i i thought these can't be real escape rooms they have to be teslas that you have to get out of before the fire starts but no they're genuine escape rooms uh tom you've driven a car can you unpack this story for us uh firstly incorrect no i haven't uh i cannot drive uh to me it's a wondrous bit of magic that people perform that i can only dream of attempting that's you and most uber drivers though (laughs) oh i am an uber driver definitely no stars just putting all your cash in the bank on self-driving cars coming along before you get too old right oh my well until i get my first booking that is the uh yeah um so yeah a bunch of people who are trained in sort of building things um and putting things together um and now sort of basically being being told that they need to work sort of in a in a quite a boring job do people who work in VW, are they the Taliban? Is that, is that how this works? Are they just being trained up? Yeah, so it's pretty sad that people get people who got into engineering because they wanted to, um, uh, you know, they, they like cars, they like how the internal combustion engine works, are now sort of being told, oh no, it's mainly maths now. It's mainly maths that you've got to do and Excel spreadsheets um, instead of actually, you know, sort of getting to put a car together, which is a shame, I guess. Although, if everything's going to be automated soon, and then I, I guess that's just the, the way the world's going. Although, I don't know how escape rooms are going to help you do that, because in my experience, um, basically, escape rooms are just... Basically, I did an escape room uh, a while back, and I found it one of the most stressful things ever, and did not replicate anything I've ever experienced in the real world, unless that is trying to escape <laughs> from a fictional prison, uh, where a psychopath is going to arrive any minute, but then when you don't get the clues right, actually is delayed and, and doesn't, doesn't turn up. <laughs> well, it's it's meant to be a quote unquote playful way to swear its employees to the age of immobility. Uh, the VW Group is trying to, you know, reframe for its employees the concept of no longer building cars, but instead uh, working as da- data logisticians. Of course. Uh, I don't know, man. Look, I I back <laughs> VW 
for a pivot. They have managed to pivot into being the hippie car from being the Nazi car. (laughs) (laughs) The Wagen des Volks has become uh, the Wagen of getting high on a road trip. So, look, I wouldn't wouldn't count them out. Yeah, I mean, I got worried when I heard they were sending people into escape rooms because when their founders did that, people generally did not escape. Um... That, that aside, it's probably easier to get out of an escape room than it is to get out of an electric Volkswagen car. You can't find the handles. It's, what is it about <laughs> these electric cars and the cryptic puzzle that they do with where they put the handles for the car? I don't get it. Um, it also doesn't help that most electric cars are, are designed for vegans, and I clearly am not one. So getting in the car is a problem in the first place, and now getting out of it, I'm trapped. Don't mind me. I'm just triggered. <laughs> <laughs> Part of this escape room thing seems to be sort of beginning the retraining process and they're suggesting Mm. that the training process could last up to 378 days. So essentially more than a year uh, Mm. of your work will just be forgetting how to build a car and learning how to help a robot build a car. Already I have notes because if training is going to last 378 days, you think, could you not just... Make it, make it, round it down to a year and just like, I don't know, put a few extra, a few extra hours in each day or something. It's just an annoying amount of time because it's just over a year. And I kind of think, well, that's, if you said, oh, training will last a year. I think most people can factor that in. But 378 days is just like, it's just irritating. I'm only happy with this being uh, the way of doing it if they do it the whole training course like it's the Maze Runner where you think you're just doing a series of increasingly complex puzzles but each one is training a new ability and by the mm. end you'll be able to, to fight for Volkswagen in the car wars or whatever, whatever <laughs> it is that's coming for Up us. against Tesla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't read Maze Runner. Is that what happens? Is that a spoiler? Uh, no, it's not quite a spoiler. It's okay. It, they're testing them. They're trying to build resilience against a virus. They're using children instrumentally in a way that we don't generally accept, except when we do accept it. You it's know. very good. It sounds a bit like Ender's Game as well. A lot of those books are quite similar. So basically, they're, t- they're taking, like all books do, or like, like all weird companies do, they're taking their cues from dystopian novels that basically say, if we end up here, all society has collapsed, and going, what if we ended up there? That would be good. So that, yeah. I guess that's concerning. Yeah, and all, you know, all IP is interchangeable. All yeah. language is just a quotation, you know. You don't know what an apple is. You've just heard people talking about an apple in other contexts. So when you are using the word apple, you're just recontextualizing somebody else's intellectual property. It's like a, a quote that I've just come up with now, all language is a quotation. Um, <laughs> I know a few comedians that believe in this philosophy as well. But yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Naming no names. Put them all in an escape room. <laughs> That's my new off with their heads. Yeah. You'll be first up against the wall in the escape room trying to solve nice. the boringest puzzle. <laughs> the future is a series of increasingly dystopian escape rooms until you realise they're not an escape room, it's just your life. <laughs> what is a prison but the world's hardest escape room? Yeah. Hey, guys, let's all try and figure out how to survive the night by catching fish in this polluted sewer. <laughs> but if you say it in that voice, it's it's like you're doing it for fun rather yeah, than survival. Yeah. Just pretend it's a stag do. Everyone's happy. <laughs> if you kill 50 mutants, you can live to see the dawn. <laughs> and you get a special hat. <laughs> I don't know.
I don't know how games work. I can't. I can't. I, I don't genuinely. I find it really stressful to play games because I don't. I, I'm I'm compelled to be productive at all times. So if I'm playing a game, I'm like, where's the outcome? Like, what are we producing? Can we podcast this? <laughs> it's not mentally healthy, but yeah, I find it genuinely stressful playing most games. Either because I feel really accountable to the avatar for letting mm. them die because <laughs> I don't have enough skill, or because I hate fun. Is your next podcast just going to be called Peekaboo and it's going to be you <laughs> playing with children? I'd listen. I'd listen. I mean, yeah, it's it's very difficult. I'm writing my new show. It's very difficult to defeat my own self-doubt in the face of my child uh, cheekily pretending to eat a crayon as a joke today. <laughs> going, nom, nom, nom. Going, no, that's not for eating. And her knowing that it's not for eating, be going, um, nom, nom, nom. It's good material. That brings us to the end of the show. I'm flipping through the ads at the back of the magazine. Nabil, have you got anything to plug? Uh, I'm doing a bunch of work in progress shows. It's uh, more fun than touring because I don't have to be funny. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've got a documentary um, that I've filmed with a bunch of other people coming out in a couple of weeks they haven't given us an exact date and i'm hiking through rural portugal being chased by wild dogs while visiting the holy city for catholics fatima oh that sounds wonderful wow genuinely I, that sounds really lovely tom what have you got to plug the hauntening um series two is currently being repeated on uh radio four i think we've done there's been two episodes out and the third one's out um, next week so you can get all those on BBC Sounds and um, we've got a we've recorded a, a, a short for Sky um, which is I think due out in March I think I can say that I think it's be, uh, been announced uh, but that's called Silo and I think that'll be out on Sky and also they'll be putting those on YouTube so you can watch those so be sure to look at my Twitter and stuff and I'll be posting links to those when they become available Oh, and my Twitter is at tneenan, otherwise that's pointless me saying any of that. And a big thank you to our roving reporters this week, Sea Lips, who sent in the Earth's inner core and college embryos story, Danny Rosnablay and Abdo, who sent in the Taliban bureaucrat story. If you would like to be a roving reporter for The Gargle, tweet us at Hello Gargler's with stories that you think would be good for this show. You'll find me online at patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. It's a one-stop shop for all of my stand-up specials, podcasts, and blogs, which you can get there for free, as well as my weekly Tea with Alice salons, uh, which you have to subscribe to be part of, or my weekly writers' meetings, where we do a workshop if you're writing something and want me to tell you it's shit. Um, All good. Sometimes I say it's good. (laughs) I am on tour with my new show, Twist, starting on the 28th of February in Adelaide. I will be then... Uh, in Melbourne at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival at Trades Hall. I will be in Tokyo on the 18th of May um, at the Tokyo Comedy Cafe. Then I will be in London and then I will be in Edinburgh. So keep an eye out for that. I have also launched season two of my podcast, Tea with Alice, uh, which is me having tea with interesting people and talking about difficult topics i did 300 episodes uh and then i took a year off and so now this is season two this is a bugle podcast and alice fraser production your editor is ped hunter your executive producer is chris skinner i'll talk to you again next week you can listen to other programs from the bugle including the bugle catharsis tiny revolutions top stories and the gargle wherever you find your podcasts 
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com